0: The reading is taken from Hebrews chapter 1, verses 1 to 4. In the past, God spoke to our forefathers through the prophets at many times and in various ways. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed heir of all things, and through whom he made the universe. The Son is the radiance of God's glory, in the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. After he had provided purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty in heaven, so he became as much superior to the angels as the name he has inherited is superior to theirs. This is the word of God. Great, thanks, Kevin. And a happy new year to you all. If I haven't seen you to speak to you directly, Uh, a very happy new year. And um, quick show of hands Uh, how many people have made New Year's resolutions? Oh, not that many. And there's a few, come on, let's be honest. There are a few there. You might not have labeled them New Year's resolutions, but you know there's something. And just out of interest, those that showed their hands, how many are kind of something to do with. Your faith or your walk with God or searching for Jesus or kind of the way that that plays out. How many? A few. Okay, a few. That's not too bad, but there we go. There's a few. Great. Okay. So here's my question to you. If you're one of those New Year's people, New Year's resolution people, how are you going to do it? How are you going to do it? Is it just willpower? Is it hard work? What I want to show you today, because I think this is what the writer to the Hebrews wants us to get, is that the breadth of our vision of Jesus will be the thing that helps us to keep going. It's not going to be how hard we work. It's not going to be how much we desperately want to do whatever our, um, our New Year's resolution is. It's going to be the breadth of our vision of who Jesus is. What about this coming year? Another quick show of hands. Um, who is hopeful for this year? Okay, who's, who, is, who is excited about this year? Who's going into it with trepidation? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. There we go, probably a bit of all of those. So here's the question, how are you going to stay stable, how are you going to stay walking with Jesus, whatever hits you this year? How are you going to do it? I'm going to suggest it's the vision, the breadth of the vision that we have of Jesus which will enable us to walk with him and to keep going whatever hits us, whatever there is. That's what I think the writer to the Hebrews wants us to get. I'm really excited that we're about to begin this new book, uh, a new series based on the book of the Hebrews we're going to spend between now and Easter reflecting on the greatness and the glory of Jesus because that's what Hebrews is about it's so appropriate isn't it that having celebrated Christmas and the birth of Jesus God as man who put on flesh we now consider who this Jesus is And it's particularly important for us as a church because the thing that we say we're about as a church is seeing lives transformed by Jesus. That's our own lives and that's the lives of the communities around us, our workplaces, our schools, the places where we go to. And if we're going to see our own lives and the lives of our communities transformed by Jesus, we need to have the right view of who Jesus is. What Hebrews does is it blows apart our vision of Jesus. And it says, be awed, be, be wowed by who this Jesus is. The book is, is full of Old Testament imagery. So uh, if you've started Bible in one year, anyone doing Bible in one year? A few people, brilliant. Um, if that's you or if you're about to start, this is a brilliant book to dwell in. Because we get to understand the fulfillment of those Old Testament pictures and symbols and messages and imagery. All fulfilled in Jesus Christ. And the writer to the Hebrews helps us with that. It's a book that delves into the mystery and the wonder of who Jesus is. And it's full of wisdom for us in how to follow him today. So Hebrews. Here's the question, what do we know and what don't we know? Well, worryingly, there's quite a lot that we don't know. No one is quite sure who wrote the book. So there are various options out there. Some say Paul, some say Peter, some say Barnabas, some Apollos, some Luke. The church father, Origen, said that in the third century, he said, we have no idea who wrote it. And if he said that in the third century, I'm pretty sure we still haven't got a clue either. All we know is that it came out of the apostolic community and it was regarded as authoritative in the church from the very beginning. So, not only don't we know who wrote it, but we also don't know who it was written to. All that's clear is that it's written for a community who knew the Jewish scriptures well. They were likely to have been Jews who themselves had converted to Christianity. And who had faced uh, persecution and imprisonment for their faith. You can see that in chapter 10, verses 32 to 34. So, if that's what we don't know, what do we know? Well, what we do know are the key themes of this book. Because if you read it through, you'll see them again and again. Two Key themes which will come up again and again, week after week, as we go through this. First of all, the supremacy of Christ. Jesus is better. He's better than so much. He's better than the angels. He's better than the covenant. He's better than any priest that you might see. There's a whole list of things that the writer to the Hebrews talks about and says Jesus is better. So we're going to see the supremacy of Christ. And secondly, we're going to see, because I think this is what the writer to the Hebrews was trying to say to this community, that it's worthwhile keeping going in your faith. It's worth it. That we should be faithful to him as he is faithful to us. This is a book for people who need encouragement. So if you are one of those people who stuck your hand up and said, actually, I am looking forward into this year with some trepidation and some fear. You need to dwell in this book of the Hebrews. Because it's there to encourage us and to blow our mind about who Jesus is. That's great messages for us today, isn't it? Keep going and Christ is over all. We need to know that Christ is central and supreme to know stability in our lives. When we feel shaken by the fact that the moral framework of our society might be crumbling, or by the fact that the historic faith of the church seems undermined, or when we face opposition in our workplaces and schools because we say that Jesus is king, it would be so easy to be shaken. It would be easy to give up. Hebrews says that Jesus is enough Hebrews says, keep going in your faith. It's worth it. I don't know if you're convinced that Christ is God, that Jesus is supreme. I don't know what you make about the uh, baby that you've probably sung about or seen on a Christmas card over the last few weeks. Back in 1961, Yuri Gagarin was the first person to journey into outer space. And he famously reported, God is not there after all. But who told him to look for God in space? That isn't the Bible. We're not to look up there for some answer to who God is, but to Jesus, to the person of Jesus. And that was a massive issue to the Hebrews, to this community who were ridiculed for converting to Christ and abandoning the faith of their fathers. What we see here again and again is that Jesus Christ is the heir of all things. He will never be superseded and never surpassed. So let's have a look at what these verses say. Or maybe not. There we go. One back. There we go. Right. I'm going to read it again. It's a short passage, but it's brilliant. In the past, God spoke to our forefathers through the prophets at many times and in various ways. But in these last days, he's spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed heir of all things and through whom he made the universe. The Son is the radiance of God's glory And the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. After he'd provided purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty in heaven. It's all about the Son. It's all about Christ. That's where he starts off. We're going to see four things uh, that this shows us about Jesus. Firstly... There we go. Firstly, firstly, God speaks and he reveals himself in Christ. God reveals himself in Christ. In the past, God spoke to our forefathers through the prophets at many times and in various ways. But in these days, he has spoken to us by his son. God spoke in the old days. And in these last days. You see the blue type on the screen? In the old days and in these last days. God is always speaking. But do you see how it's Jesus who splits time? He's the spine on the book of history. God spoke. The author is the same. But do you see how there are differences? in the old days and in these last days. In the recipients, he spoke to our ancestors, to our forefathers, and now he speaks to us. But the biggest difference is in how he speaks. In those last days, God spoke to our ancestors, our forefathers, through the prophets. Through the prophets, at many times and in various ways. But in these last days, he's spoken to us by his son. This is the climax. He once put the words on the lips and in the mouths of the prophets. But in these days, he's spoken in the Son, or actually he's spoken in Son in the Greek, not just through Christ like he was the best or the first prophet, but in Christ, in Son, he is the Word of God made flesh. Is that the Christ that you believe in? When God speaks, the complete fulfillment of God's speaking is in Jesus. You don't need to look any further. Barclay describes these verses as the most sonorous piece of Greek in the whole New Testament. It literally sings. It's an incredible picture of the person of Jesus, and it's so important that as we start this week of prayer, Uh, What these verses teach us is that God is not silent. He's revealed himself in his Son. He's not uncommunicative. He has and always will be a speaking God, and he's spoken through Jesus. That helps us, doesn't it, to direct our prayers over this coming week. Our prayers to the Father, through the Son, by the Holy Spirit. My prayer this week is going to be this. Let me see more of Jesus. If we see more of him, the fullness of his glory, then we're going to keep going. We're going to keep going to the end. Jesus is the full revelation of God. He said himself, anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. God has spoken to us by his son so if you're praying this week if you're joining us as we pray let's fix our eyes on jesus as we do that god speaks he reveals himself in christ secondly christ is supreme over the universe in these last days he's spoken to us by his son whom he appointed heir of all things and through whom he made the universe, sustaining all things by his powerful word. He's appointed heir of all things and through whom he made the universe and all things are sustained by his powerful word. Do you see three things there? The universe was made for Christ. He's the heir of it. The universe isn't self-existent, it was made. And it was made for Christ. The whole cosmos is his. All this is for Christ. He's the heir of it all. He's also, also the creator of it. The universe was also made through Christ, verse 2. He's not just the heir, but he's also the agent of creation. He's the means by which God brought the universe into being. So his birth in Bethlehem wasn't the start of his existence. He was the co-creator of the universe before his mission to earth. Just think about the reality of that for a minute. The moon is is, uh, apparently about 211,463 miles away. The sun is 93 million miles away. Pluto is 2.7 billion miles away. Our solar system is about 7.5 billion miles in diameter. So if you started driving at 65 miles an hour, it would take you about 13,172 years to get across the solar system. 13,000 years. That's just our solar system. The North Star is about 400 trillion miles away. There are approximately 100 billion solar systems in our galaxy and over 50 billion galaxies in the universe. Is all that by chance? No. The maker of all of that is Jesus. And it's all for him. And he sustains it all. Because the universe is upheld, sustained by Christ, verse 3. Creation isn't some great machine started by God and then forgotten. He sustains all things. The whole universe hangs in the arms of Jesus Christ. The one who spoke and quietened the storm. The one who raised the woman's son from death. The one who spoke, Talita kum, little girl, get up. He still upholds the universe. The Son of God is the agent through whom God brought the universe into being. He's the sustainer and heir through whom he will give the universe one day. He's the cosmic Christ. He fills the universe and is Lord of creation, which means that we can't contain him in a manger in Bethlehem. Is this the Christ you believe in? Thirdly, Christ is the Son of God. He's the Son of the Father. We take this as red, but wow. Can you imagine if you were that Jewish community being reminded of this? That Jesus is the Son of God? Look at verse 3. The Son is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being. There are two really important statements here. First of all, Jesus is the radiance of God's glory. The glory of God radiates through him. It's like the sunshine. It's like light. It's like a beam of light shining, radiating from the sun. That is Jesus. And secondly, he's the exact representation of his being. He bears the stamp of the nature of God. The stamp of God's nature. It's like a a wax seal which bears the imprint of of a ring or or the stamp that's um, that's used. And do you see how these two things complement each other? The sunshine emphasizes that the sun is identical in essence with God the Father. The beam of the sun is effectively the sun. God from God, light from light, very God from very God we say as the light streams from the sun but the seal the seal emphasizes the distinctiveness from the father because the impress is different it's distinct from the stamp that makes it wow do you see this is this is the theology of the early church The sun is the radiance of God's glory. Now, what do you think about when you hear that phrase, God's glory? What do you think about that word glory? So often, I think we we think it's something we might pray to come down, something that is in some way distinct from God's. It becomes a kind of superstitious mysticism as we pray for God's glory. But the glory of God isn't about feeling or about an atmosphere. Glory means a weight or a heaviness. It's the mass or the substance of something. God has given his actual glory, his mass, his weight, his substance to his son. So we're to be obsessed by him because he is God's glory. The glory of God is Jesus. He's the one who patiently spent time with the weak and the poor who was filled with compassion, so he touched the lepers and the unclean. He called children to come to him. The glory of God is the one who wept at his friend's grave, who chose not to pursue his own will but to lay his life down at Calvary, who bore our sin on the cross, who rose again and now intercedes for us. That's the glory of God. He's the radiation of God's glory, the exact representation of his being. Is that the Christ that we believe in? Fourthly, Christ is the Savior of the world. Verse 3. He's the radiance of God's glory, the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. After he had provided purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty in heaven. He came to deal with sin, purification from sin. There's so much that I could say about that, and we're going to touch on it again as we go through this book. The process of purification achieved through his death on the cross. His body at once offered to bear the sins of many. He died in our place As a substitute in order to provide a righteous basis for forgiveness. And now he sat at the right hand of the majesty in heaven, resting from his finished work of sin bearing and reigning in glory and honor and interceding for you and me. Wow. Is that the Christ that we believe in? Why does it matter? Why does it matter? I think it matters because today you've walked into a Christian church, one that celebrates Christ. So we need to know who he is. It matters because I believe that he's called you and he loves you and he wants you to know him and be fulfilled by him. It matters who we worship and what we worship. Our picture, our vision of Christ has got to be big enough to encapsulate this vision of Jesus. Not just a baby in a manger. Not just a teacher and healer. Not just a saviour who died on the cross. As important as all these are. But the climax of God's revelation. The Lord of all creation, one with the Father. The Savior seated and reigning in glory. It matters because our vision of Christ will impact our faith in Him. What we expect of Him. It will impact our prayer life. It will impact how we're going to keep going with Him. And it will shape our Christian discipleship. Later on in this book, we're going to hear these words. Let us fix Our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. This is what the writer to the Hebrews is trying to tell us. This is what he's trying to fill our minds with. Such a picture of Jesus, such a vision of him, that we will continue on in our faith through this year and beyond. Because this Jesus is worthy and he's worth our worship. Is this the Jesus you know? Let's stand as we pray. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we are sorry for having too small a vision of who you are. Please would you help us. To see you. Please would you help us to understand that you are the complete revelation of God, that you are sufficient. Help us to see that you're the inheritor, the creator, and the sustainer of the whole universe. It's all about you. Thank you that you're the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being. And we praise you that you're savior of the world. Help us to know you more fully this year, we pray. And for those of us that are walking into this new year in trepidation. Jesus, by your spirit, we invite you to fill our hearts and minds with such a wonder of who you are. That we would be amazed at the fact that you who own the universe, who cast... Stars into space would also look down and say, You, I love you, and I came for you. Jesus, we thank you. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith.